0: This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is in honor of Dwayne Adams, Joseph Adams, Jerry Barton, Wayne Boyd, Linnell Butler, Clifton Callahan, Alan Clark, James Douse, Alonzo Forrest, Nathaniel Gay, Jack Gell, Anthony Golston, Kenneth Hatcher, Jerry Haynes, Hunter Kilburn, Paul Lephart, Roy Matthews, Jacob McKee, Ramon Moreno, Cesar Murray, Charles Parks, Franklin Penn, Isaiah Samuels, Donald Sizemore, R.J. Smith, Michael Tooten, Howard Ulmer, Roy Weatherford, Melvin White, and Calvin Williams. 30 American heroes from Aiken County, South Carolina, who gave their lives during the war in Vietnam. My guest today, Lowell Copper, just wrapped up a 53-mile hike from Aiken County, South Carolina to the State Capitol building in Columbia in an effort to honor the 30 Vietnam veterans whose names I just read. Clearly, this dude is a hard charger, and I'm pumped for you to hear our conversation about his continued service before self. Lowell, welcome to Pick Up The Six podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Glad to be here.
0: Uh, how are your feet, bro? <laughs> uh,
1: shockingly, um, doing 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 great. Um, actually wearing a pair of Chuck Taylors right now that have literally no soul. I don't know why people continue to wear them. I love them, but uh, not exactly the best supportive shoe. But uh, yeah, man, we're doing great.
0: Brother, I am pumped to get a chance to talk to you a little bit today and and catch up after something you just wrapped up this week, this incredible 53-mile hike and really what you're can calling a monumental march. We're going to talk about the reason why you did it and and the power behind it and what you guys were ultimately trying to accomplish. But let's get to know you a little bit, man. So Green Beret, Army guy, tell us a little bit about Lowell and, and how did you end up in the Army and how did you end up as a Green Beret?
1: Uh, so I grew up in uh, a small, well, what was a small town has it's, it's grown tremendously now, but uh, I grew up in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, my dad was in the Navy. Uh, my grandfather was also his father. Uh, my grandfather was in the Navy as well. Um, <clears throat> I can remember, you know, being in, being in school, I wasn't the greatest, uh, greatest student by any means. Um, I didn't really understand the concept of homework, so I didn't always have the best grades. Uh, but I can remember as far back as like my sophomore year of high school, uh, when the recruiters showed up at the high school and the public school system had everybody take the ASVAB. And I don't know if they still do that or not. Um, but, uh, I remember thinking to myself who in their right mind wants to join the military and, you know, just wasn't in my concept, you know, I'm like, who wants to be told what to do? You know, I was an athlete. I played soccer my whole life. Um, so I was, I was fairly fit, um, especially in the running aspect. Um, I was a smaller guy, especially back then. Um, but I just remember thinking, you know, why am I taking this test? There's no way I'm going to join the military. And, um, uh, after graduation started weighing some options and, um, you know, a little bit more mature over, over a two year period of, you know, you're actually a, you know, a mature kid at, uh, you know, your senior year. I was in in my own words, I was a punk kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, had a lot of a lot of aggression. I got in a lot of fist fights when I was a kid, you know. Um, one of the smaller kids, I wouldn't be pushed around. Um, it was just kind of one of those things. Um, I wouldn't say I had a bad attitude, but I definitely wasn't the guy that I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for sure. The the military taught me that discipline that I needed. Um, but, yeah, so I uh, joined the Army. I, I initially tried to become a medic. That didn't work out as far as, like, dealing with the recruiters. And um, the funny thing, and it followed me through my entire Special Forces career, I actually joined the Army as a personnel guy. Um, and that, I think, blew everyone's mind to the point where most people didn't believe me. Um, in fact, even when I went through SEER school, I tried using my personnel background as my cover. When we were going through prisoner of war training and uh and even they wouldn't believe me. They even they told me even at the at the very end when they debrief you, they're like, that was uh that's the worst story ever. And I'm like, dude, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a story. Like you know, I really was the first guy. Right. And they're like, yeah, don't ever use that again. Um so yeah, uh it wasn't, you know, uh I think people who meet me now and know me well probably think that, you know, I was that kid that always knew he was going into the military. And that 100% was not the case. Um, I I have, I I recently, probably within the last eight or nine years, I'd found an old uh, yearbook. I was moving from one house to another and we were cleaning out some stuff. And I found an old box that had a middle school yearbook in it. And and I almost got expelled out of school for fighting um, in eighth grade. That's how bad of a kid I was. I mean, just constantly fighting nonstop. And um, I I read uh, a quote in there from one of my teachers, he was my history teacher, and his quote was something along the lines of, you're a natural born leader, Um, when you speak, people listen, when you move, people follow you. This is a huge responsibility that you've been given and a gift, but use it wisely because if not, people could get hurt. And I remember reading this as an adult, you know, this is after I left the SF community and then yeah. moved to Aiken and I just remember reading that and I'm like, wow, that's some powerful words. Like, especially I'm like, I was in eighth grade, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, who tells an eighth grader that? But yeah. um looking at it, I was like, wow, like what this guy saw and who I am back then when everybody else probably just thought like this kid's going nowhere, you know, he's a problem child, that kind of thing. So um yeah, you know, I think the the military really harnessed that energy. But uh, yeah, so you know, I ended up as a personnel guy, um, joined the army, and then um, immediately knew that I could do a, a whole hell of a lot more. Um, so you know, decided to chase the ranks of um, the Green Berets. You know, there was there was a, a special forces unit. I got assigned to Fort Lewis, first special forces group was there. And so I got to see them on post and, you know, quickly idolized them, Learned the history of them and just kind of got wrapped up in it. And then, you know, it was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so, you know, rest is history, as I say.
0: It's interesting, man. You know, uh, episode seven of Pick Up the Six podcast, we have Eric Maddox on there. He's the chief interrogator who helped track down Saddam Hussein. This guy's a Mandarin Chinese linguist, like not even remotely connected to going and chasing down the ace of spades. But gets put in this situation, and in that moment, he gets unlocked. He he basically figures out how to do this thing really well. It sounds similar in the sense that like you're going down this different path. But then once you get into the army, you get unlocked. And do you, do you have a moment? Do you remember a moment when you got in there and you're like, I want to I want to do more, and I want to go out and find maybe one of the hardest things to do, and try to go do that? Do you did something happen to you? In- yeah. So
1: I I can still remember. Like I I knew I was different from the rest um, of of my peers that I was with in boot camp. And I can remember just showing up. Um, So we ran a lot for soccer in high school and in um, some of the select clubs that I played with. Cardio was a big thing and cardio is a big thing in the military, especially in your early career, especially like boot camp, AIT, your first units, that kind of thing. It's run, run, run. But um, I remember being superior at that mm-hmm. and just that mental aspect of toughness. And so being around kids, we were actually talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and Ray and I were kind of laughing about this on the walk uh, this past week. Um, just kind of looking around at your peers when you're in boot camp and people that are struggling to the point where you're like, what did you think you're getting yourself into, man? Like this isn't the boy scouts. Like you joined up for the United States military, you know, like they are going to yell at you and then trying to explain to guys that were with me. And, uh, yeah, I can remember some guys like, really whining you know they're like well you know they told us to do this and we did this and they're still you know making us do push-ups and it's like hey man it doesn't matter how well you do this (laughs) they're 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 just trying to break you you know and it's like and you're letting them and so it was kind of that aspect and that's when I kind of really realized like okay and then when I went to my first unit and you know wouldn't everybody has a job in the military and and i truly truly am grateful for everyone that's in any support role um outside of the combat combat MOS's um whether it's in the army the navy whatever it may be because and if if Ray were here he would attest the same thing we can't do our job without the support Mm -hmm. MOS's like Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't sign up to be a Humvee mechanic but I need that Humvee to get me to the fight. so um having a good mechanic is vital and all those folks that support the main effort um 100 vital and we really truly appreciate all of them we appreciate their service but being in the personnel community and me ultimately becoming a green beret those those two sides of me were readily apparent i think to my very first nco it was a guy named a guy by the name of mark brown he was phenomenal he's an e7 and he really did a good job of uh, mentoring me, but always training me. It was like this thirst for knowledge. And um, it wouldn't matter what it was. We'd be riding to the range and he'd be explaining to me how to shift a deuce and a half and how the motor works. I mean, just it was a learn process every single day. Learn something, learning something, learning something. But I'm sure I was a huge leadership challenge for him as well, because I'm always off doing something he's constantly like pulling me back because Mm -hmm. you obviously have been around the soft community we work hard but we play harder um and it's just our mentality you know we're we're a bunch of grown jacked children (laughs) um and we love that about ourselves the stuff that we laugh at like our families are like that's funny to you like oh yeah you know that's the funniest thing ever kind of thing but um definitely during that time frame i can remember uh, I always maxed my PT test because you just like ever since I was a kid with the exception of school and I laugh now because that would could have been and should have been the most vital thing for me growing up but I wanted to win at everything I did I wanted to be number one at everything with the exception of school and I don't know why I just uh, when I was young the academic thing I didn't take to it and it wasn't something that I felt that I needed to be the best at for some reason I don't know why like looking back but you know, it all worked out. But uh, if I could go back and change something, maybe maybe that. But anyhow, um, being in that unit to get a 300 on my PT test, it wasn't like I was trying to. You know, it wasn't like I was putting in max effort to make this happen. It was something that was relatively easy for me, but there was no way that I was not going to do it. So I could easily get down and do the required 42 pushups and then just get up and be done and call it a day but for me it was a challenge i'm like okay today i'm going to see if i can get 95 i'm going to see if i can get 100 and um i remember a guy in the unit and it was kind of that mentality and this is kind of when i was i realized like yeah man you are 100% different than your peers in this group and he said to me um you know why do you always get a 300 on your pt test and he was an e4 and i said um I don't know what you mean. Like, you know, you got to explain yourself and he's like, "Well, you're not promotable. So, you're not going to get anything for getting a 300." He's like, "So, if you were to just get a 180, which is what you need, you would be just as, you know, just as good at checking the box today as you getting, you know, breaking the 300 and getting extra points for, you know, bonus points for doing extra stuff." And I just remember I was like, "I didn't have a comment for this because this guy literally outranks me." And he's like, mm-hmm. "Essentially, part of my chain of command, if you will, for the element that I'm in, he's in my squad and he outranks me. And so I just remember thinking one, (laughs) like how terrible of a thought process that was, but then two, you know, this is one of my peers. And so I'm like, in my, in part of me, I'm like, don't judge him. Don't judge him. Don't judge him. You're completely different. But it's one of those where you're like, how do you not judge one of the folks that you are somewhat in a foxhole with? Um, You know, this was peacetime as well. This was in, um, 99, uh, late 99, early 2000, yeah. but it was just one of those where I was like, wow, this is, um, you know, I think that kind of molded me right then and there. It was like, God's God's blessed me with something. I've got yeah. more to give, seek that out, seek yeah. out the folks that you're like, um, yeah. kind of thing. And I think that's probably very similar to, um, most of the guys in the soft community at some point you realize, you know, some guys, they real they realize it very, very fast, you know, very early. Um, but for me, it took, took a little bit longer and um, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't change how the process went. Right. Uh, Cause I wouldn't be where I'm at now, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't think it's the, like I said before, people who know me now, I don't think they would, they would expect this, you know, this storyline you know, if, they, if you told them like, "Hey, this, this, this," I think they'd probably tell you, now nah, man, I don't believe that."
0: You could have said to them, "Well, I'm getting 300 because you're only scoring 180, and I'm gonna have to drag your ass out of here <laughs> when something goes down." So <laughs> be thankful that I'm dropping 300.
1: Yeah, yeah. L- luckily, that's not the case, and I don't think too right. many too many personnel guys are finding themselves on the front line. And I can remember yeah. uh, with that being said, being in selection um, for SF and. Mm-hmm. One of the cadre comes up to me and they rarely talk to you. It's not like ranger school. They're not in your face. They basically, they observe you from afar. They give you task direction and it's up to you to perform. And they observe you through this entire process. Even when you don't realize that they're watching, they're watching. And um, one of them comes over to me and he's like, uh, my roster number was 421. He's like, 421, come here. So I'm like, yes, Sergeant. And uh, he's like, I'm looking at your stuff. What in the hell is a 75 hotel? and i laugh and i'm like uh personnel specialist sergeant and he's like uh he just kind of looks at me and he's like what the hell are you doing here
0: why are you here
1: and and like i'm just looking at him and he's like all right get away from me so i just like trot off and um uh he comes back it's towards the end of selection and um he uh pulls me aside again and he's like hey so I looked up and I don't know if this was, you know, him just kind of playing into things or what. But he, he pulls me aside and says, hey, so I looked up your MOS and um, he said, you know how many people have come here with your MOS before you? And so I'm, I'm like, uh, I don't know, five. And uh, he's like, there's been six of you, um, six, six of you prior to you. He's like, so you're number seven. And I said, OK, sorry. And he's like, you know how many have made it? And in my head, I'm like, uh and some and i just yeah. like look at him and i don't answer and he's like every single one of you and i really? like, so you thought and it like look gone the other
0: direction right
1: and i said seriously and he goes yeah he's like i guess when you're going to make that big of a change you want it
0: mm.
1: and then as he walks away he goes don't screw it up and uh you're like I'll no like, pressure
0: now you thought maybe yeah the like, of them made out me the <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i was i was prepared to be like well i'm about right. to be the first
0: yeah. wow incredible so listen dude we could uh I feel like we could Rogan this thing, and we could probably talk for three or four hours, and and listen to stories that you have. And and hell, man, maybe we come back on and do that another time and place. But I want to make sure we really get a chance to hit on what you guys did this week and what went down in South Carolina this week, and why you were so motivated to do it. Uh, the guy that you mentioned in there a few times is Ray. That's Ray Cashcare. If you guys aren't following this badass on Instagram, I highly recommend it. He'll have you doing. A couple thousand push-ups a day and <laughs> he's just a hard charge he's doing
1: it right now he's
0: doing it right now as we're recording our show he's live streaming doing push-ups across the world with people uh tuned in to do it with him he's an awesome guy and uh, much love to cash because he helped me get connected with dave bray who we had on last week talking about that new song better man so just a great strong community and ultimately he's a character in this story that you guys did this week so but what's going on is you live in aiken county south carolina and you guys have a Vietnam veteran memorial that is there, and we read the names of the thirty heroes that are on that memorial. And something's going on with this thing to where you've got a push and a real grassroots effort to try to move it somewhere else. So tell us what's going on down there.
1: Okay, so the the monument, as you said, it's uh, just to paint a picture. It's picture a large gravestone. So this thing is about five feet wide. It's 10 feet tall and probably about eight eight inches thick. Um, so like a large gravestone, it's got an eternal flame um, that is to the left of it as you're facing it, that looks like an old uh, lamppost that you might've seen on um, in the front of someone's home back in like the seventies. This monument was dedicated and put in place uh, early, the early months of 1974 By what was at the time the mayor of Aiken, uh, and it's in Aiken City, which is in the county of Aiken as well. But uh, it was put there by, or wasn't put there by him, but he's the one who did the dedication by late Mayor Odell Weeks. And if you ever, if you're ever in Aiken, you'll see the name Odell H. Odell Weeks um, all around town. He's he was a great guy. He did a lot of stuff for Aiken, um, and he's memorialized through through a few things uh, in Aiken. But anyhow, so it's when they put it in the place that they put it, it is in uh, a four-lane highway, essentially. So it's downtown. We've got a lot of one-way streets. So you've got two, two lanes of traffic going in one direction, two lanes going in the other, and then it sits in the median in between these. Um, to add a little bit more chaos there is a turn lane. So if you're standing in front of it, facing it directly behind you is another road because there's a set of one ways that are right up against it. So you've got, if you're going to turn left to come past the monument, you would take one separate road. If you're going to turn right to Mm -hmm. go the other direction, you would take, there's another little small median there. So um, the paper wrote an article about what Ray and I did and the the, reporter used the term that it's caged, which I loved. It's caged in five lanes of traffic, which it 100% is. You said the
0: thought process when they put it there was it'll be somewhere where people naturally have to pass by it. I mean, I'm even trying to wrap my brain around like, why the heck is it there to begin with?
1: Well, and so I don't know uh, the whole detail on why that location was picked. Mm -hmm. My personal thoughts are along the lines of what you just said, Um, However, you can only see the names from one side. So they didn't do a mirrored stone. It's just engraved on one side, but what was directly. So if you're facing it directly to your right on the other side of those two lanes of traffic is what was our, excuse me, our uh, public safety. So in, in Aiken, we don't have a dedicated police or a dedicated fire. We have what's called public safety where they blend them together. And so a lot of our a lot of our firefighters have been to the police academy, and vice versa. So you get a little bit more bang for your buck as far as like tax dollars, and you get a essentially a more well trained force. Um, so our public safety headquarters was mere steps from this. So if you were standing at it, you look to your right. That was where the headquarters building was. Uh, within the last eighteen months, it is it has moved. There's still a small substation in the in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, but not nearly the presence that was there prior to it moving. So I think that may have had some, you know, had some pull and why why they selected that one specific spot. Um, and also, you know, traffic from 74 to 21, you know, unfortunately, I think people and and to give Odell credit, Um, you know, I mean, his name's on things. So that kind of tells you stuff. If, if you were doing good things, whether you agree with what people did in the past, and that kind of ties into where we're going with this story, Mm -hmm. whether you agree with what was going on in the 17, 18, 1900s, whatever. Um, if your name's on stuff, it's because society at that time agreed with you, respected you and listened to you. Um, and so he obviously was, well respected, well-liked person during his era because they wouldn't be naming things after him if he wasn't. So um I think they did probably what they thought was best back then, but I don't think they thought that, you know, so many decades later we would be in the position that we're in. And and some of it falls on the state as well, the maintenance and the upkeep. And we'll we'll do you know, we'll dive into that here shortly. But um so that's kind of the other aspect. But yeah, I think you know, the public safety aspect, I think, is the big key to me as to why it went where it went, um, because and, and, a, and a lot of it, I think, too, is we didn't have the veterans park where we're trying to relocate it that I don't think that existed yeah. back then. So that would be the other aspect.
0: So you're the leader of the Aiken County Veterans Council. You've got this uh, monument for these Vietnam heroes that's in this rather precarious position. How do you how does conversations how do things start trickling to where the idea is what if we just moved it? What if we moved it into this veterans memorial site, this other area? How does all that start happening?
1: So uh, as you said, I'm the chairman of the of the veterans council. I've been the chairman for four years now. And even prior to me becoming chairman, I was vice chairman for a year before that. The, the talks weren't, the, the monument itself would come up from time to time during discussions. We're always working on initiatives um you know creating scholarships we've got a banner program we are in charge of the memorial day parade um we do a thing called operation saint nick in mm-hmm. our area we've got a our area the our town is known as a kind of like a retirement community so we have a, an older population um and we have a lot of veterans that are living in assisted living communities so uh two years ago to kind of remind them that they haven't been forgotten. We do a thing called Operation Saint Nick. I dress up like Santa Claus and get a bunch of folks to deliver stockings to every veteran in assisted living. We reach out to them. They give us the number of veterans that they have because HIPAA king, you know, mm-hmm. HIPAA laws, we can't, can't get names. names yep. So they give us the the number and we show up with the stockings. COVID kind of threw a little bit of a, a wrench in there. We weren't able to actually personally give them, uh, but the year before and uh, next year, hopefully, Knock on wood, we'll be able to do it again as far as like actually handing them to the veteran. But so as we're doing things like that throughout the year, we're always coming together and working on things Um, right now. Currently, uh, the Vietnam era soldier is, I think, at the youngest, probably 68. Those that served in Vietnam. And um, so they are a lot of our retirees, but they are also. In my community, they are some of the most active uh, group within our veteran community. So I'm I'm around them all the time, and um, they do a lot for us. And so conversations always come up, and the conversations began with the maintenance of this monument. So that eternal flame, as I said, was in in an old lamppost. And so if you can picture, like I said before, like a ranch style home and it's got a long sidewalk out front. It's got that lone lamp post out there. That is exactly what this thing is. And the flame is encaged in what in the spot where that bulb would have sat inside that light housing. And so for years, this eternal flame, which we started to kind of it it got to a point where we would make kind of like make light of this because it was never lit it was the exact opposite of the eternal flame. Like you couldn't get further from the eternal flame than this thing. Mm -hmm. And um, it was constantly getting blown out to the point where public safety would come over and relight it for us. Our veteran affairs officer drives by it every morning on the way to work. He would stop, he carries (laughs) up until we got it uh, somewhat fixed. And I'll tell you about the fix and you'll be appalled. But um, he would carry a grill lighter in the glove box of his vehicle just in case he rode by and it was out, he could reach that in there to turn it back on. Um, so uh, as I said, we came up with a fix, if you will. We wrapped that post with electrical tape and that electrical tape is still currently on it right now as we speak. And that was you know some of the driving force behind this is you know we've got 30 30 guys that paid the ultimate price for our country, whether you agree with the Vietnam War, or disagree with it, these guys were told to go, they went and they perished there, you know, they fell in Vietnam and uh, this was done to honor them and electrical tape on a monument doesn't honor anybody. I mean, if, if anything, and, and especially this generation who was so poorly treated yep. and has that reputation of being poorly treated. And here we are again, flash forward to the 50th, 50th year anniversary of the time window of Vietnam And here we are again. In my mind, just completely disrespecting them again.
0: But not good.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we can do better. We can do better at everything. Always. That's right. And so, um,
0: with that being said, nothing wrong with admitting that and finding a way to try to remedy it a little bit. Like, hey, we can do better here. Let's do better. We've got some ideas as to how we can do it. But, but my, my guess is, knowing that you guys strapped a rucksack on an American flag and had to. March fifty-three miles to try to get somebody to pay attention. You you run into some roadblocks along the way of either trying to get this thing maintained, moved, all the above.
1: Yeah, so this is the the actual movement aspect has been going on for about eighteen months, and I think that's where, depending on what side you're on of this, where we live at, and there's really I've only spoken to one person who's against us moving it, uh, but the I think some people think that this is something that just happened. You know, Lowell and Ray decided enough's enough. We're walking 53 miles and it it kind of did get to that point, but there's been a buildup for this. So uh, we worked with uh, one of our state senators about 18 months ago. The Vietnam vets come to me. Obviously, I represent everyone in, in Aiken County as the chairman of the Veterans Council. So they bounce ideas off of me. We've gotten a lot of stuff done, which I'm very proud of. And I think that's another reason they come to us uh, because they know that we will take action and it won't fall on deaf ears. And, um, you know, and whether we're successful or not, and we'll get to that in a second I think as well. Uh, we try, you know, and that's the, that's the biggest thing, What you said, like we could do better, give it a shot. You know, what do you lose? You know, like just try. So, um, and you know, that's, Everything within the special operations community, you know, um, <clears throat> we don't fail, but, uh, you know, we, we there's never a time where we just say, ah, you know what, it's too tough. We're not going to do it. So we're working with a state senator. He comes back to us and says, essentially, hey, um, and, and timing was, you know, when you when you look at kind of reality, unfortunately, and politics are always going to be politics, I think, until we have some some true leaders that have been tested and Mm -hmm. really understand what courage is that are willing to stand up and and not bend. Um, I think we're going to be mirrored in politics for a while, but um, the, the aspect of the cancel culture, pulling down monuments and stuff like people don't agree with it. They're aggravated. So they're like, you know what, we're, we're just going to remove this. And so that was going on right when we were talking to the Senator. And so that was a concern of theirs. They were concerned that if we brought this up and we moved a monument and people who were against a lot of the Confederate stuff in the state of South Carolina, which obviously was part of the Confederacy, kind of led the Confederacy. um, They were concerned that that would open a can of worms, if you will. And then that would lead to some of the other monuments that they've been trying to protect and keep for history purposes that would lead to those mm-hmm. either being moved or tumbled or, you know, whatever the deal may be. And, you know, we politely explained to them, we're not, we're not opposed to this monument. I understand the the moving of monuments aspect, but this is, that's the only two things that these have in common is the word relocation. Um, We're trying to bring ours to the forefront and honor these guys and in a better way. Uh, But they, they were wrapped up in that. And so we just kind of let it die down um, probably a little too much. And, and I'll take the hit on that as the, as the chairman, it's my ultimate responsibility. So um, I feel like I should have been a little more, um, forward leaning on that senator back then to say hey where we at where we at where we at we were working on a lot of things so I didn't follow up in the manner that I probably should have and so as I said I'll take the hit on that one so we go back to him probably about eight months later and one of the comments that we got back was um okay I wasn't I wasn't sure that you guys were 100 percent positive on doing this um and (laughs) and so I just kind of laughed I was like you know me um mm-hmm. i think mean, you know me well enough that uh you know i was 100 positive and so just kind of like water off a duck's back just like hey let's let's double down on this what do we got to do and in this in this guy's credit he has moved two monuments even with the heritage act that's in place and we'll discuss that he was able to to, to get around the Heritage Act and utilize the Heritage Act and was able to move two war monuments back in 2013. So it can be done. It can be done. Yeah. Um, it's just right now. The issue is the stuff that's going on with pulling statues down all over the country. And so <clears throat> we revisit that same exact narrative. And it was. Um, yeah, we're just you know, the Senate doesn't want to deal with it. We don't I don't think. His his thought process was if I push this forward, I don't think it's going to take wind and I don't think the Senate's going to allow it to go through. So I say, Roger, that I bring it back to the folks. Everyone's a little unhappy. I'm uneasy with it. It's still bothering me. We're still working on other stuff, but it's still kicking around in the Mm -hmm. back of my head. My so on the council, we have four elected officers, four appointed officers. Um, All of us, all the elected officers are from the army. Um, two are officers, former captains in the United States Army. Um, the other is a, a, was a, a sergeant in the Army. And then myself, I, I left the Army as a staff sergeant. But one of the officers, her name's Linda Caldwell. She's our treasurer. She was a nurse in Vietnam. And so, and she is a phenomenal lady. I love her to death. She is a rock star for our council and for the veteran community in our area. And it was hard just to continue to go to these meetings each month. And like some of the most respected folks in that audience that I speak to every day and I truly 100 percent love and respect are part of that era. And so, like, I'm looking at them every day, knowing that I, as the chairman, have taken on this project. And even though the state is failing them at the moment, I feel like I'm failing them. And so it's just, it's kicking around, you know, and it's it's never going away. It's just kicking around, kicking around, kicking around. And it's just, you know, weighs on you because you want to be able to go to them and say, hey, we've done it and, and celebrate this victory with them. And so um, he tells us that. And so we immediately, just by chance, within like two weeks, one of our state reps um, in the house releases a newsletter and a lot of them do it, you know, they do a publish a monthly newsletter that comes out on email. He publishes this newsletter and talks about the heritage act and the education aspect. And he's trying to push a bill through to try to educate folks about some of these monuments and that kind of thing. And I, and I completely agree with him because I think if you, if you take a step back, take a breath, look at where the country was at that, at that point in life, study some of these folks. And yeah, you may not agree with every single thing that they did, but there's probably going to be, you know, a portion of our society right now, as we sit, that won't be agreed with a hundred years from now, 200 years from now, people are going to look back and be like, what they were using zoom to do a podcast. Well, they, you know, like things will have changed. So and evolved so vast in that point, um, that you got to look at, what society was as a whole? So yeah, some guys made some terrible mistakes, but that was an entire society allowing them to make those mistakes because um, they were a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what his bill I think tailors to. Well, Linda, the Vietnam veteran, she reaches out to me and says, "Hey, what do you think about hitting up you know so and so?" And so I kind of had my re- my resolves because I was a little. Uh, turned away just by the political answers I kept getting. So I was like, I don't know. And so I said, I'll think about it. And I hung up the phone and, and then it kind of kicked around some more. And I was like, you know what, how can I, how can I say no to her? Yeah. You know, this is her that's monument.
0: Right. I'm you know, this is the monument
1: it. that represents right. her in her right. service. Right. And so I'm like, I got to try, you know, that's who I am. I'm telling all these guys, how can I not mm-hmm. hold up you know, my own philosophy. So I call and this is right before Christmas. So this is maybe 10 days before the Christmas break. And um, I make the phone call and the representative knows me well, because we work with all these folks um, throughout throughout the year on a lot of different things. And he says, yeah, well, let's see what we can do. And um, within uh, probably two weeks I get a call back from him. He says, Hey, I'm having this guy call you. He lives in Aiken. He writes a lot of the legislation for us. He's the guy that actually writes the wording. Mm -hmm. And um, so I talked to him on the phone and I'm telling him our plight. And he says, yeah, I'm very well. That monument is uh, somebody two doors down from him is a family member of one of the names that are on that monument. He can remember being in Aiken when they dedicated the monument. So we, we talk, we have a great conversation. And within, that 30 day period of what was the legislative break for the Senate and the house, they come back to me and say, Hey, we've got a bill. It's, uh, it's going to be the first thing that goes on the floor, um, beginning of the year. And I was on the other end of the phone. Like I was waiting to, for Ashton Kutcher to jump out yeah. of the, the closet. Cause I'm like, this can't be, yeah. you know, 18 months. We we've been told going
0: here. Yeah. We got some movement
1: immediately. And, um, and so the house pushes forward, um, I'm still working in support of our government. I take off, I'm, I'm not in Aiken, I've been, I was gone for a little while. And I get a text message from that representative. And this uh, was what set this march in motion, was these exact words. And it was, Lowell, I regret to re- inform you, the House was ready to push this legislation through the House for a vote. Uh, we had our lawyers look at it. Everything looked above board within the Heritage Act. But when we reached out to the Senate, they said that they fear, and that was the word they fear that this will allow folks to tack on other amendments that will affect other statutes within the state of South Carolina. And they're not going to allow this to go to the floor for a vote. Mm. And it was when I was just kept looking at this, the word fear
0: yeah.
1: just, I don't know what it was. It just enraged me. Yeah. Here we have 30 men who paid the ultimate price for our country. And on top of it, what hasn't been mentioned at this point in this podcast is 10 of those men were drafted to Vietnam. So here you have 10 guys.
0: You want to talk about didn't even, fear? What do you think? Didn't even plan. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Didn't plan to be in the military. Yeah. And here they are being told, grab your bags, man. Two, two bags full. You're going to Vietnam. Yeah. And we know as you know, adults now that a lot of folks didn't, they found a way out of it. Yep. And um, these guys didn't. And unfortunately they met their demise um, in Vietnam. So that, that right there is what the gear started moving. Yes. I'm I'm gone. I'm overseas. I'm doing my thing and, and I'm worked up, you know, I'm noti- noticeably yeah. aggravated. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm writing notes to myself, firing notes into my cell phone, <laughs> you know, like, what are we going to do? I'm like, how do we, how do we basically and my thought process was because we have the backing of our entire community down in naked
0: all these people who want to make this happen and we're not asking exactly for some, we're just can we just move it over here to this other area right but exactly I mean, the problem is brother, like okay we don't have the political willpower to make this happen dude come on and then you know you get you're humbly saying you know you're over there doing your thing uh, I can't imagine what sort of scenario you're in. You're out taking care of business and you get this note and you just keep staring at that. You keep staring at fear, fear, fear. You're like, this isn't going to fly. This is not going to fly.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, I, because I know the representative, I responded with something back about, uh, and I laugh about it now, but it was the passion that's in me for this. and, And it's not even just the veteran community, just people as a whole. Like, I've just always had this, you know, my, uh, my mom's a special needs teacher and assists with kids with disabilities in the classroom. She's the, I don't know if you ever had special needs kids in your class when you were going through high school and it's like a regular elective class, like art or something, Mm -hmm. and they'll have an assistant that's with them. She's like an ABA,
0: she's like an ABA therapist.
1: Exactly. And so she's right there with the kids in class to make sure they have everything they need. And then my best friend growing yeah, up, hey, who hey, is, a hat
0: tip and a kudos to her, man. Incredibly selfless work. What oh yeah. And it's, God, man, Absolutely.
1: And the bond that they have with these kids and then they, you know, they basically age out, you know I mean? These kids become my mom's, you know, they become the children that she didn't have because she'll have, she may get them, you know, eighth, ninth grade, and then she'll stay with them all the way until they graduate high school. And then it's like, you know, good luck kind of thing. But, um, my best friend growing up who's like a brother to me and his parents call me son Our other, my other mother, Joy, she is the uh, same, she's a special needs teacher. And so that was always in, instilled in us in, in, you know, a young age, you know, to do more for others kind of thing that, yeah, that man, service to the, voice the
0: voiceless, right? Like help empower other people, pick other people up. And you know, if they can't do it themselves, like somebody's got to get their back here.
1: Uh, our motto in SF, Dale Presto, lay bear. So, you know, that, that's still, You know, as a child, seeing it, you know, in a a different form and then all the way up into my military career, um, seeing it there, you know, where, you know, we're rolling into these places that are, you know, sometimes denied areas or, you know, just completely underserved or, you know, they've got a dictator, you know, slaying them um, and trying to lead these people out of their plight. So it's right back into the same you know, not to that obviously not to that uh, level, but, um, but your mind you know, I feel goes like- to that
0: place, right? Your mind goes to yeah all the sacrifices that you've made throughout your career, all the sacrifices that other men and women who have put the uniform on have made throughout their lives, and the sacrifices that these thirty made, and and what they were willing to lay down for their country. So you're hitting these roadblocks, right? Politically, hey, we can't push it through. We're not going to be able to make it happen. So walk me up to the point of we're going to. We're going to hump it 53 miles to to make a point for this thing and to see what we can do here. So get us to that spot.
1: So I start in my mind, I start thinking, okay, how am I going to get, what what do we got to do to make this happen? How am I going to get people as outraged about this as I am? And so I reach out to my small group of veterans. So my Aiken County veteran affairs officer is a great guy, he's a retired major. I've got Linda, as I said, she's a a retired captain or left, left service as a captain, um, served in Vietnam. My vice chairman, uh, Duncan is a retired or left service as a captain in the army. Um, our JAG officers name's Brian. He's the one I said he separated. He actually was, uh, very badly injured, non-combat related, um, early on in his career and was medically, medically retired. So, I reach out. That's my collective. And so I'm bouncing ideas off of them. And I'm like, you know, how do we get people as outraged about this as we are? And so we're like, you know what, let's do a petition. So that's where it starts. We start this petition. And then as that's kind of going, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning where I'm at, it's, you know, roughly a little past dinner at home and back in the States. And, and I can't go to sleep. I'm firing off this petition. To everybody I know in my phone book, trying to get people to sign this thing. And, we're just trying to get people jazzed up and and it's starting to take hold. And um, you know, right away people are like, Oh yeah, man, hey, we're in, we're in, we're in. Um, and so it just kind of starts snowballing from there. Well, then it starts in my head, okay, well, how do we get folks outside of us? Because at mm-hmm. this point, our community supports it, but we gotta let the rest of South Carolina know. And, you know, so I start thinking like, okay, what do I gotta do? What do I gotta do. And for some reason I just Googled you know, or I didn't Google, I had, um, just mapped out state house to the monument. And I'm like 53 miles. And I'm like, that's doable. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to walk this petition all the way there.
0: I'm a and a so
1: the other folks were like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, we're going to walk it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, why not? Yep. And so, and it was literally, I think 16 days prior to, I was, and everyone's like, when are you going to do this? And so I looked through my calendar <laughs> and I'm <laughs> when like, "When do I?" Have- well, I can't do it this weekend. And right now tonight we're doing a, a, um, a save the 22 dinner for mm-hmm. veterans promoting, you know, the, the unfortunate aspect of veteran suicides. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a, uh, an event for that tonight. So I was like, well, I can't do it this time. So I was like, well, you know what, if we start on Wednesday, finish on Thursday, I can drive to Anderson on Friday for the VIP event for this event and then be at the event on Saturday. So I'm like, we got to do it those two days. Right. And then people are hitting me up and they're like well what if we move it i'm like we've got to do it these two we're days man. like we're my calendar is just my calendar 600
0: crazy. on wednesday <laughs> like it's happening it's like, wow. yeah
1: and so um and we had all kinds of random questions too with it you know people are like well why 53 miles i'm like because that's how far it is it's How far you know, it's it that simple it's like there's yes. no there's no hidden message in the 53 i was like it just happens to be 53 miles and, um, you know, somebody asked us that along the route and Ray said, yeah, that's how far it is, man. He said, and if it was 150, we would have gone 150.
0: So how's he get connected to this thing?
1: So, and that's what makes this story that much more of kind of like a WTF kind of deal is I'm recruiting folks to walk with me. I reach out to a retired one-star general, uh, that I know who's an amazing guy. His name's Tom Mullican. Um, you can Google him. Amazing, amazing guy. Does a yeah. great, great Great, great stuff here in the state of South Carolina and around the world. Um, he is the only honorary Green Beret I've ever met in my entire life. You know, it's like John Wayne, John, John Lee, F. Kennedy, yeah. you know. And so when I find this out and when I meet him, he doesn't even lay this on me. And I, I know him for months and months and months. And then I find out from someone else and I'm like, what? Right. I'm like Tom. He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, very he's humble super guy. Humble guy. Yeah. Just a great, great guy. So he's one of the first people I reach out to, because I know, you know, when I say I've got a, you know, former Green Beret and a one star general are walking, that's going to get some recognition. People going
0: to listen. They're going to listen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he's got a lot of clout in the state and he's got a lot of clout inside that state house. And so in his defense, I literally call him and I say, hey, I'm walking this petition all the way to the state house. It's 53 miles. You in? And he does a thing called SC seven where he promotes essentially the seven wonders of South Carolina. And they walk throughout the summer, they walk across the state and his response immediately. And this uh, the group of guys in this community are Mm -hmm. phenomenal. He says, I'm in, I'll bring the, I'll get the SC seven crew. And he says to me, Lowell, how far do you want me to walk with you? And I said, uh, uh, whatever you want to do, man, it's up to you. And he said, "Will you want me to do the whole 53? And I said, if you want, he's like, I'm in. And um, it's like, uh, you
0: know, the old saying sounds terrible. When do we start?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, all right, let's share the suck, you know, misery loves company. And um, so uh, that's going for a few days. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, who else do I know that has like a major buzz in the community that can get the word out? And uh, you've met Ray. I mean, he's huge personality you never you're never going to be in a room and not know ray is anywhere near you like you're going to know that ray is around you at all times and um larger than life and the funny thing about him is you know he's a small dude he's built like an anvil you know i mean he's like a little fire plug he's a beast and he comes across very hard and i'll say this because he's not near me at the moment (laughs) he comes across with this like rugged exterior but the dude has a heart yeah far bigger than who he is as a guy like the got, dude would literally give you the shirt off his back and a lot of the guys in this community that's how they are yeah. you know you see him and you're like oh man that you know that dude looks like he's going to stab me with a screwdriver right but it couldn't be further from the truth you know go, some watch, of the... go
0: watch if you guys haven't watched him in dave bray's better man video
1: oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: exactly what lowell's talking about you can see that exact character trait when you go watch that
1: yeah he he did a phenomenal job in that phenomenal job but he's just uh, hes just a great guy. He's continuing to give back to the community. I mean, right now, he's doing push-ups, like as we said, as we speak. He's literally right now knocking out push-ups with people all over the world to raise awareness for the veteran community and, uh, and to promote fitness and a lot of other things. He's just a great guy. This incredible so, power
0: of strength of purpose post-career as well. And, and what uh, it's what I'm so infatuated about most of you guys that I'm coming across and having the ability to get to connect with is this post military career. Listen, that service before self's never going away. But there's also something pretty deep in a a greater strength of purpose. All right, I have taken the uniform off. You still put it on sometimes. But for some of those guys, right? It's not going back on. But what can I continue to do to serve to give back and find some real strength in what I'm going to do with the second half of my life? It's pretty powerful, man. It's pretty powerful.
1: So uh, Ray's got a huge following and, um, you know, so I reach out to him. We, we worked together for years um, after we left the, the Special Forces elements, you know, after he left the teams and I left group. And so, you know, we clicked when we met um, and a lot of it was over, you know, working out, you know, yeah. like that's a big thing in both of our lives, physical fitness. So we we're always in the gym together. Uh, always challenging each other. And then we always, we both were the guys that always had something going on back home. So I was working in the community that I'm still working in as a, as the chairman of this council and, um, you know, trying to help out the guys I had some connections with the VA. So I was always trying to steer guys to get their answers and that kind of stuff and, and raise that same kind of guy. He's, he's so connected with people, even if it's, you know, you're, we're having a conversation sitting around doing nothing and somebody's talking about buying a new truck raise the first one. Oh man, I got this guy, you know, he's up, you know, way up in Chevy. He's going to give you a deal. You know, you got to call this phone number. So that's just who he is as a person. Um, but he also has that following that a lot of folks don't have. Like he's got that social media cult um, of who, you know, is behind him. So I reach out to him and literally this is how the conversation goes. I call him. It's, it's probably three or four o'clock in the morning where I'm at. I can't sleep because I'm so jazzed. And this, this same energy had happened probably every three days to where mm-hmm. I'd be talking about somebody and I'd be like, oh, let's grab the rock. Let's go. Let's just yeah. leave right now. Yeah. I'm ready to walk. Yeah. And um, so I call Ray and I tell him what I'm doing. He's like, this is badass, man. This is badass. And I said, do you want to do it with me? And he pauses for a second. He's like, hold on. I know he's messing with his phone. He looks at his calendar. He's like, I'm free. He's like, hold on. And I hear him turn around. He sure, goes, let me Trish. check with the
0: war room real quick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's like, let me check with Household Six. He's like, Trish, <laughs> Lowell's doing this. And uh, I think I should support this. And she says, go do it. And um, and we haven't seen each other in a long time. And so she said, uh, who is this? And he says, Lowell, you remember? The guy I was with in such and such place mm-hmm. looks like Leonidas, and she started, and I start laughing because I'm That's like, exactly whatever, right. dude, whatever. Oh, you do, and, um, hilarious. And so he's like, uh, he's like, I'm in. And so right then and there, I said, all right. He's like, uh, just give me the details. Um, I said, you tell me what day you want to come in, what time frame. Mm-hmm. I got your plane ticket. It's all on me. Come on. Yeah. And so he said, Roger that. And the um, rest is history, man. So he showed up at eight o'clock at night. We we hit the ground. We woke up at 5 a.m. We had prepped the night before, um, prepped all our packs and everything the night before all our gear and uh, woke up at 5 a.m. Went down to the monument, kicked off at six, but he got in eight o'clock the night before. Awesome. Um, So, and then we finished, we told people we would be, we would take those steps at noon. Mm -hmm. We took the steps at 1202.
0: Bro, that's a pretty good time hack. That's a pretty good time hack.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, uh, Six six fifteen, he boarded an aircraft that same day to go to fly back to Virginia. As
0: quick as he was in, that was going back. So Navy what
1: we do is Navy feels man.
0: It's in and out, in and <laughs> out, get and the out. operation taken <laughs> care of, roll out. Nobody yep. knew we were here. Uh, what we're going to do is there's a ton of great articles. You guys got a lot of media attention about it. I'm going to share them on the page here where we've got the podcast. So I highly encourage you go to watch some of those uh, interviews, read some of those stories, the impact that you made. I want you to give some shout outs, man. Cause I know it's not just you guys walking the 53 to get there. You had to have a crew that was helping you. So who helped you guys along the way?
1: So obviously my whole veteran community uh, helped and I'll start with that. So we go, we'll roll this back slightly. So our whole city council back in 19 came on board and signed a proclamation to allow this to be moved. (sighs) Um, And as we're sitting here today on Saturday, uh, I will be back in front of city council Monday evening and they're going to sign another proclamation, basically just as a, a, another way to wave the flag like hey this isn't going away city council still supports these guys um so all of city council are mayor rick osbon uh andrea gregory gail diggs uh kay brohl back uh before she was on there dick dewar um ed gerardo all those guys um stuart Beanbo. Um, you're back the whole time. Probably, they've they've supported us that whole time down in the city. Our our chief of police, mm-hmm. uh, Charles Bronco. Um, those people have been the kind of elected officials, if you will, supporting us back there. Our county council uh, chairman Gary Bunker, vice chairman Andrew Siders, who was also a Marine, um, chairwoman Camille Fergielli. Um, a number of the county council folks have all supported us. you know we've we've had a lot of that support. so that that was the buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, but our crew was my wife. Um, she kind of bounced around out there. She's a marathon runner, so she she actually even came out, parked the car brought the dog and then went and ran eight miles around us as we were moving, <laughs> you know, from point A to point B. Right. She's a beast. Right. And,
0: um, we could have just run this thing. What's the big deal? <laughs> well, I
1: should, she, she came up to me at one point and we laugh about it now. Cause she was like, I could tell you were 100% enthralled in what I was saying. She said, um, you want me to just take the flag? And I'll, she's like, give me the petition. I'll run it eight, eight miles ahead. And at least a, a copper will have moved it. And I was, I just kind of looked at her and I, I had, it was one of those points where I was like, it wouldn't have mattered what you said to me at that point. I was just so point a to point B I've got a mission. I'm not, you know, it was like, right. just get out of my way. We're moving right. kind of thing. But, uh, so she came out for part of it. Um, and then, uh, a, a large portion of it, but the entire time we were out on the road, um, two of my very good friends, uh, in Aiken, uh, Chad Kimbrell, mm-hmm. uh, he was on a motorcycle. Yep. Um, and he kind of supported us in a safety aspect so we're on some two-lane roads and if you know I'm sure it's the same way up in North Carolina some of those back roads that a lot of tractor trailers traverse Mm -hmm. to move products and goods around our country come on those back roads and so there's very little shoulders on a lot of these state routes and so he was around any of
0: my friends out there listening that have run the Palmetto 200 you know the Blue Ridge Mm -hmm. Relay you know those kind of roads exactly there's not a lot of there's not a lot of margin for error on the side of the highway or inside of the the back road. Really?
1: Yeah. So, so he was there as that buffer. Um, he was, he would be a big, a bigger visual target for them to see ahead of time or he would circle back and let us know, Hey, you know, there's a sharp curve coming up or sometimes move us to the other side of the road when it would be, you know, more advantageous for us. Uh, and then one of my best friends, um, we literally around each other every day, mm-hmm. uh, Clint Griffin. Um, I give him a hard time The dude's six, six. And he's like the nicest, like most gentle person you've ever met in your life. But he is a beast of a man. Right. Um, he pulled a truck and we had a toy hauler. So we had a camper that rolled with us. So, I mean, we were, we were pretty bougie. Yeah, man. Um, and that was like you that's know cool. Ray and I we were, call
0: that it's a grassroots right it's grassroots that's nice <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. what you
1: were yeah the only thing we didn't have was like cable you know satellite t- television right. so um and I was giving Ray a hard time about that him and I we I mean we talk trash to each other nonstop and so what are you going to do for fifty
0: three miles man
1: well that's I mean that's the the SF yeah. Ranger Seal PJ that's our yeah you know, I mean if we're around each other you can tell who who really truly loves each other by how yeah. much you would think that these guys aren't friends by the trash that they're talking to each other. When
0: you're, when you're, when you're humping 53 to get there, if you feel like you got a leg up on him at all, I'm sure you were letting him know. I'm feeling, Oh yeah, yeah. you look pretty rough bro. You can stop. Do you want to (laughs) stop? You can quit if you want to quit. I'm going to keep going, but you can stop now if you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and there was a lot of that going on, but I kept, I kept giving him a hard time. I'm like, yeah, if it was just, if you weren't here, I wouldn't have all this support crew, you know, we would just walk it right through, but we want to make sure you had a bathroom and right. you a know, place to check your hair. <laughs> um, so, so we had a good time, but those guys, and and I texted them that night after, and I said, um, thanks for always being ride or die because they really are. And they, I come up with some really crazy schemes throughout the year of what sounds like terrible ideas like this, you know, you're like, what are you doing? And sometimes they just, they're like, what, like, why, like, why are you doing this? But they, without a doubt, it could be the worst idea. And they're like, yeah, man, sounds terrible. When are we doing it? You know, like you said, yeah, it sounds terrible. When do we start? And and they're always in. Um, and so, you know, they, they were hugely, hugely crucial. We wouldn't have been able to accomplish it in the manner that we did without those guys. Cause they really lightened the load for us, you know, as far as like what we could, what we could hump in. They were, you know, they were our mechanized element around us, you know, humping humping a lot of water and chow yeah, for, for us, sure,
0: for sure. So and so man, probably, out. yeah, good and carry man. So probably amazing memories along the road and. Again, man, we could just get into it probably forever and and talk about it. But uh, incredible the fact that, one, you just got this great crew around you, but everybody's driven by the mission, right? They got this greater mission. It's not your strength that holds you to the purpose. It's the strength of the purpose yourself. You can be the strongest, baddest, most Leonidas, 300-looking dude, and that's awesome, but that strength of purpose is what's pushing you guys up the road. Every step of the way, 53 miles, that strength of purpose is the 30 names on that monument, the 30 names, the 30 names, we got to get their names with all these people who back them to the state Capitol. So you get there at 1202, you meet the time hack, take me to the steps. How's this thing sort of wrap up?
1: So first, what we did was we met, there's a state museum, um, which is eight tenths of a mile from the state house steps. And in the, the early beginning, people were like, oh, you're walking 53 miles, how can we support you? And so I'm like, you know, meet us and then One of the comments that Tom made, the retired one star was, you know, I don't know many Vietnam veterans that are going to make this walk. And I just laughed. I was like, Tom, that's not the that's not the intended purpose here, man. Like we are we are the traveling circus to turn heads for these folks. And um, so we went we did two two recons of the route. And on the first one, we found this huge parking lot, which is attached to this museum. We knew it was gonna be a Thursday morning. Right. So we're like, this is perfect with, especially with the Corona stuff going on. There probably is gonna be a whole lot of people right. in this
0: museum. Gather everybody up and yeah.
1: Exactly, we've got a huge spot where we can rally everybody up. Mm-hmm. It's easy to find. And then it's we got can a, roll in. You know, it has an address, you know, yeah. you can Google it, all that kind of stuff. It's not just yeah. some random random landmark. And so we had told everybody, meet us there at ten 30. We will be there at 1030. We walked in there at 1031. Not bad. And um, so we are we are definitely holding true on our on our hack time. So we, we get in there. Um, we did most of the most of the movement we did in just shorts and tennis shoes. And but when we took the steps, we wanted to be completely uniform. So we excuse me, we uh, we threw on some multi multi cam bottoms and um, some boots. And I pulled out my beret, Ray put a, a trident fixed wow. affixed a small trident to his hat that he'd been wearing and um, we rallied everybody there well the day two days prior I had a Vietnam veteran who I did not know at the time who is very connected up in the Columbia area where mm-hmm. our capital is he reached out to me and he has some great ideas and he said hey um the uh director of the museum uh because it's also the military museum um has reached out and would like to meet you guys when you come up. Uh, Would you guys entertain meeting them? And so we're like, hell yeah, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what this is all about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we definitely want to meet this guy. And so uh, he welcomes us in. Well, there is a replica of a fire base that is built to the T inside this museum, small scale, but it's it's phenomenal. So they walked us in and um, the guy who reached out to me, he walked the last 10 miles in with us. He walked 10 miles. And then we took a break overnight, um, just because of the low light where we were walking. We started again the following morning, and he came back out the following morning, linked back up with us, and walked in. I think the last three miles with us as well. But uh, he actually served in Vietnam on that firebase, wow. and so we got you know kind of a, a you know a firsthand accountability from him of this firebase while we're standing in the museum. He's kind of running us through it, but. He had told me, and it was, I was unaware of it. Two blocks away from that parking lot was the actual Vietnam wall in Columbia that has all of South Carolina's Mm -hmm. Vietnam veterans who passed in that conflict on it. And so he said, Would you like to go see it? And I said, Yeah, we'll speed the timeline up. I said, How far away is it? He said, Two blocks. I said, Cool, we'll leave like 15 minutes earlier than what we expected. And so I reach back to Linda Caldwell, the the Vietnam nurse who's my treasurer. She is my go-to on a lot of things. Uh, she is the the epitome of does not fail. And um, so I reach back to Linda and I say, you know, what do you think about this? There's a wall up there. I'd like to do a wreath. And this is literally Tuesday. I'm talking to her on the phone and yeah. Wednesday morning yeah, we're
0: stepping a lot of off. moving parts.
1: Exactly. And so. Uh, I said, What are your thoughts? You know, would we, do you think we could get a hold of a wreath and a stand in that time? And she's like, I already got it taken care of. Don't worry about it. I'll meet you a Thursday morning. And so I'm like, Roger that. And don't look back. I know she's got it. Don't need to follow up. I'll see her Thursday morning. She'll be handing me a wreath. And so they drove, they met us in the park a lot, her and her husband, who's also a Vietnam veteran, they drove over to the monument with the wreath in tow. And um, we were able to place a wreath with a lot of Vietnam veterans that met us there. We were able to place a wreath for all of the South Carolina Vietnam veterans. So uh, they had a bugler come out and play taps for us. Um, Ray and I both took one side of the wreath. We put it in place, took a step back. Um, The guy that walked with us called everybody that was there to attention. Um, You know, we uh, rendered a salute while they played taps. taps. Taps is over. Um, you know, we drop our salute and then we, we grab a flag that I brought with us. That's, uh, it's so big, it can cov- it can cover an entire lane of traffic, uh, an American flag. We brought that with us. And, uh, from there we moved to the state house steps. And so I'm walking, I've got my rucksack. Um, you'll be able to see the photos when, um, you look at the articles that Brian just talked about. We built this thing with a pole, uh, that there's basically a sleeve attached to the frame of an Alice pack. And the pole sits down inside that sleeve. And that pole is probably every bit of eight feet. And then at the top of that eight feet has a four foot by six foot flag. Yeah, so when you see no the joke. flag, you're like, there's that's no a pretty joke. big flag. And I tell really you it's amazing. four feet by six yeah. that puts a perspective about how big that thing is. And that's essentially what I carried the entire route, amazing. you know, from start to finish. We, we humped that thing all the way to the state house and it had the petition inside that inside that Alice pack.
0: It's so cool, man. Like, so you have this original plan, then you get the ability to tie this other element in with that Vietnam wall there. What, what a really uh, powerful is the only word I keep coming back to. What a powerful just event that happens along the way here. There are two great places. So, uh, so he's at Ray cash care is his Instagram account. There's a ton of great, Uh, chronicling of what you guys are doing. So there's great pictures and videos of you guys along the way at 56 Brave. We'll talk about that before I let you go very quickly at the end here about what that is. But that's another place where you can see some pictures from this as well. And again, we'll share uh, the articles and there's great pictures of what you guys are doing, and you're just watching it along the way. Hilarious picture of you guys crushing an uncrustable on your way down the road. As you <laughs> yeah. While you're getting yeah. So working.
1: Ray, that's the only that's the first time Ray's ever had an uncrustable, and if you've ever had oh. an uncrustable, oh, you're yeah. like what? Oh yeah. And so it became this thing. When we told him about it, he was like, "What?" We're like, "We're gonna blow. Trust we're gonna us. blow your mind." Trust us. His words were, "I'm trying not to like this."
0: Yeah, but there's nothing not to like, and and so I'm a. I've run this Blue Ridge Relay every year for the last three, four years, 208-mile relay up in the mountains of North Carolina, and you're running with some buddies. My recovery after every run, a Muscle Milk, an Uncrustable, and a Coors Light. You can't beat it, bro. You can't oh. beat it. That's all, that's all you what know. else do you need? That's all you need, man. That's all you need. That and, you know, <laughs> loving your heart, clear eyes, all those good things. Right, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. Amazing moment right you guys lay that wreath now we're heading to the capitol wrap this story up for us and and get us to the capitol and what ultimately happens there at the end
1: okay so we we're approaching the capitol and we're our our is in a very prominent downtown location there's a lot of traffic a lot of high-rise buildings wrapping around it's a beautiful building we're walking up this we're walking up the sidewalk approaching the steps it's a, a slight incline as we're as we're moving up that direction and it's heavily landscaped, as you can imagine, you know, what a, what you would think a state house should look like kind of thing in your mind for the South. So there's bushes everywhere and beautiful trees, and landscaping everywhere, some old, some old monuments on the property. And so as you're walking, it's off to our right as we're approaching it. And I'm starting to look kind of at uh, kind of like a half right angle, if you will, at a 45. And I'm looking off into the into the where the stairs are, where the steps are on the front of the building and it looks kind of like the Washington monument or the Mm -hmm. Lincoln, the -hmm. Lincoln Memorial, excuse me, um, with that, those pillars and the, and the steps there. So I'm looking at that and you start like the, the kind of where we're at the end of this thing. So for us, it was emotional at the Vietnam Memorial because we have all these Vietnam vets behind us and they're, you know, patting us on the back and saying, Hey man, thanks for what you're doing. Um, and it really means a lot when it's folks that you, truly respect, you know, and these guys came before us. So as we're walking up and I finally see those pillars and those stairs, it starts kind of coming. It all is coming to a a conclusion. And you're like, Oh, you know, we made it. We did exactly what we wanted to do. We're here. And so that kind of started flooding in. Ray and I are still keeping our banter, you know, kind of keeping that going. And as I'm starting to get little peeks through the bushes and I can actually see the steps, the, the thing that hit me like bold was we have five house of representative members that are part of our delegation. And as I'm looking, three of them are standing at the very top of those steps in between the two center pillars. And I see them waiting on us and they had fired off a text to me. One of them had texted me um, probably about 20 minutes earlier, like, Hey, what's your ETA blah, blah, blah. And as we were getting closer, we were staying in text, but as we're walking up, just seeing them there, and you know, And I told one of the news crews, you know, whatever you think about politicians, they do have a lot of responsibility. um, And you can't expect every single one of them to meet your specific issue with the same amount of passion that you do. Sometimes it works out that way, but it doesn't always work out that way, you know, because they have so much going on and so many people wanting them to do things for them and that kind of stuff. But to see them up there and know, that one, one of the guys that was up there worked over Christmas to push this through. And then one of the other ones, um, and I don't want to jam them up with, you know, getting caught in between what they've got going on in the state house. But one of the other ones said, Hey, we're going to reintroduce a bill. And this was the day before I left to walk. We're going to, we're going to reinvigorate this thing. Mm -hmm. And my comment was, "Mm, uh, that's probably going to piss some people off. Right. And the, the response I got was I didn't come to the state house to make friends. And they said, I love your passion. You, 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 you give me goosebumps on the stuff that you guys do. And so, um, that really hit home. We kind of, we get up and it's a long, a long sidewalk, big, wide open area from where you meet the road all the way to where our state state house is. It's very, um, set back off of the street. Mm -hmm. And so as we turn that corner to get there. In this point, I'm so focused, you know, it's like, go, go, go. I've forgotten that we have that giant flag with us. And so Clint fires off to me and Ray at the same time says, "Lol, we gonna open this flag. And so I was like, oh yeah. And so you'll see in the, some of the pictures, there's, I think seven or eight people holding this flag. It's yeah. that big. Yeah. And so we turn and I make sure that we span because they're up on the steps. I make sure that we've got it. So when they look at it, those stars are in that left-hand they're corner and right, we right, walk We walked that flag all the way to the front steps. And those guys, while I was talking to people, stood there like stoic honor guards, holding that flag nice and taut so that it was on display. Mm -hmm. Um, And our lieutenant governor, uh, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evette, great, great lady, great, great lieutenant governor. um, She came out, was waiting on us as well. She knew we were coming, so she came out to pay her respects. Um, she's a huge champion in the, the veteran community. She was mm-hmm. with us here last night, and um, we actually had lunch with her right after we left the steps on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And she'll be up here again with us tonight for the the Save the 22 event. But um, so they come down off the steps. Um, Linda reaches into my rucksack, pulls out the petition. I pass that off to the House. Um, we had no one from the Senate. Shockingly enough, no one from the Senate. I'm kind of still beat them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. No one from the Senate came out to meet us. Uh, the House delegation was there, though. Um, there was just, uh, ironically, a fifth grade class was doing a tour of the state house, right. and they're all in suits and ties. So you got these little fifth graders running around with yeah. suits and ties. They're you out there. Guys so they're all. Up. They're like, who are these guys? And so <laughs> we had a number of parents come over. We had just random people walking over to mm-hmm. us and saying, "Hey, you know, thank you so much. This is amazing. What can I do to help?" Um, kind of thing, and that happened from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Cars would pull over on the side of the road. People would beep. Um, we had a guy stop and give us twenty dollars on the side of the road, like forced it on us. Yeah. It was like this old older he wasn't guy taking like,
0: take, no for an answer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: and Ray's looking at me. I'm like, just take the guy's twenty dollars. Right. Yeah, you know, we'll right. we'll put it to move in the monument. Yeah. But um, so they come down. We talk, and it was a great reception. We had the shirts that you see in the um, in the photos. Uh, one of our state reps, uh, Melissa Remus. She actually was wearing a dress and put it on over top of her dress. So, so when the, shirt, we said, the steps, shirt says
0: Honor the Fallen and part of it's a yellow ribbon. Really pretty cool look.
1: Yeah. And so uh, she was actually wearing that at the top of the steps when we rolled up. Um, huge smile on her face. She uh, you know, immediately came over, gave me a great big hug mm-hmm. and, um, and has been a huge supporter for us throughout this thing, as well as our other four state house reps. But, uh, so we just kind of go through the whole thing and, you know, and I even told him while we were down there, I said, um, you know, I said, it's, it's ironic that I walked 53 miles to talk to the same folks that I'm, you know, I felt like I was preaching to the choir at that point. Cause I'm like, you guys know it, you guys are supporting us, but we had to do this. And, uh, one of the reps, uh, Bill Taylor, who was the guy who did the the legislation over Christmas, um, just kind of quietly leaned into my ear and said, job well done. He said you you did it you you created the spectacle he's like people aren't gonna soon forget about this um you've created the buzz that you were looking to create and so essentially you know that's what it was and uh, colin who is the aiken standard reporter who wrote the piece in the in the paper that day and we were reading it actually as we were walking um and it was funny because i said it and ray goes what did he say you know and i was like he doesn't mean it derogatory but he said um." You know, essentially what we were doing was a spectacle and that's what we were trying to create. And Ray was like, what? And I was like, no, man, like it's not, he's not meaning it in a derogatory sense. Like that's what we are. You know, we're, we're trying to create a spectacle and, um, and that's, you know, that's essentially what we did, you know, here I am today on a podcast talking to you about it. You know, we got interviewed by four or five different news media outlets. Mm -hmm. Uh, We joked, like I said earlier, some guy asked, um, why are you guys walking? And we were 17 miles in at that point. They came to us, and he said, "Why are you walking?" I said, "Well, would you have come to the state house if I drove this petition mm-hmm.
0: up?" No and sure. he laughed
1: and said, "Good point." Yeah. And so uh, I said, "You wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be talking to you right now." So, but um, yeah, it was all in all, we accomplished exactly what we wanted to do. Um, you know, do we think we're going to move that monument tomorrow? No. You know, it's still unfortunately there's there's uh, the other side of this that we didn't touch on. There's a Supreme Court issue. So um, if you're not aware of what happened in South Carolina, we had a, a mass shooting um, some years ago that involved a uh, black church in the Charleston area. It was a young kid who was a white supremacist. Um, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want him getting any publicity, uh, but I believe it was that the AM, AME Zion Church in Charleston their pastor was one of our state legislatures and he was one of the ones that was shot during that shooting. And, uh, there are a, a number of people, I believe his wife is one of them. I don't know that to be 100% true. Um, so don't quote me on that one, but, um, there are a few people who have come together to, to bring a lawsuit around the heritage act, which in the state of South Carolina, the heritage act, um, started with the Confederate flag issue that we had on our state house and the movement of it. It has, um, the wording has included monuments, war memorials. And so that's why we fall under the Heritage Act, Vietnam uh, Memorial, but they are suing our governor, the president of the Senate and the speaker of the house. And so they're now trying to use that lawsuit to try and push our stuff out the door. And that's what we, we were told the week prior. Well, it's not even really the fear aspect. It's there's a lawsuit pending. Um, and that's why they won't allow anything to go to the floor. So we had our legal experts, uh, one of which is a Vietnam vet who was the special counsel for the Pentagon had him weigh in and he just kind of laughed because he said the lawsuit, uh, in his words, basically charged the state of South Carolina without, with with saying that it doesn't have the ability to uphold its obligation as far as the Heritage Act and it's unconstitutional. And then, so if you take that in layman's terms, it's saying South Carolina doesn't have the ability to enforce this law. And then we come before them and say, hey, we want you to take this to the floor to, to get a vote. And they say, hey, well, we're not going to do that. And so we're like, well, isn't that kind of like what the lawsuit is saying that? you're incapable of doing. So it's, it's a very, it's a very weird thing. So there's a lot of politics in play. I'm not a politician. Um, so, um, you know, not, not my realm. I know there's some other things that, that go on and, you know, the wheels of our state and Mm -hmm. federal government turn slow. So, but, um, from our standpoint, from what the mission, Ray and I wanted to accomplish mission accomplished on our end, um, as the chairman of the Aiken County veterans council, uh, as Colin wrote in the in the newspaper article, a battle's brewing. Um, I'm still going to keep fighting for my folks. You know, I told them this isn't my monument; uh, it's theirs. But mm-hmm. they want it moved, and it's time that um, the state house gets out of their way. You know, we we essentially wanted the my big mission was to create a buzz, but also to kind of remind our state house, you work for us. Yeah, you know, we want this done. You need to figure out a way to make it happen. Um, And that's what our whole lives in the military were. You know, you get commander's intent. Your commander says, hey, I want you to take that hill or, you know, we need to take out this, you know, strategic uh, resource uh, for the enemy. And we just say, "Okay, well, how are we going to make it happen when that's what we do? We figure out how to carry out our commander's intent. So um, I looked at my Vietnam vets as my commanders. They gave me the intent. Hey, we want this thing moved. I said, Roger that. Let's go do it.
0: Let's go do it. Awesome man, incredible! Before we let you go, I mentioned it before uh, because at fifty six brave is the Instagram account where there's some great content around not only this March but some other really cool things that you're doing. So tell us a little bit about that effort and, and what you got going on over there too.
1: So uh, fifty six brave is a patriot apparel brand, and the fifty six brave stands for fifty six brave men signed the Declaration of Independence. Um, if you don't know. I think a lot of people think they know a lot about our country's history. Uh, but I think some people, when you, when you explain some things, there's a lot of stuff I think that people have been, it's been glossed over. Mm-hmm. So obviously we know a handful of names of folks that are prominent in our history, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, things like that. But, um, you know, if you were to ask someone about Washington's name on the declaration, somebody would be like, Oh yeah. And he's not a declaration signer, you know, kind of thing. So, um, but uh I think one of the, the key aspects with us and especially in the special operations community um, as to like what we're willing to sacrifice. And even going back to these 30 men on that monument, um, if I told you out of those 56, 19 of those men and and today those would be, you know, they would be the Mitch McConnell, the Donald Trump, the um, Jeff Bezos, if you will, um, Elon Musk. um you know, some of the great thinkers that we've had, like um, Stephen Hawking, you know, it was, it was people of of that grandeur um, within the society back then. So it wasn't always just people of wealth, but it was people who were very well regarded for accomplishments in life at that point. And 19 of them died penniless. So if, out of 56 of those guys. 19 of them died penniless and the thing i like to remind people just to put it in context is i knew so in 2001 when i was in the mill and we got attacked and we were fighting within the special operations community and people think it's odd but we were fighting amongst each other to be the first to answer back so if you've watched the movie 12 strong 100% mm-hmm. true yep. sf teams are battling to be the first boots on ground um so we knew I mean, we saw those planes flying to that tower. We knew the lives that were lost. We knew what we hold so dear, which is our freedom, our democracy, our liberty. We know what that is, but we know what that is because of these 56 men and the men that fought for that idea. But back then they didn't know that. It was literally an idea. They're like, hey, we can do better just as you and I have talked today. We can do better, we know better, we can accomplish more. And we're willing to fight for it but then you know i mean it'd be like me saying hey brian um i know you've heard about the planet venus we're gonna go there we're gonna build a subdivision you know you'd be like dude who are you like what are you talking about and i'm like it's gonna be the greatest I don't know, thing but you I know? Kinda,
0: i'm kind of like when do we leave <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah yeah it's gonna be the greatest thing you've ever right. seen you know it's gonna be awesome you're gonna want to be a part of this let me check with my wife and, yeah 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 are you busy on thursday <laughs> and so uh That essentially was them. You know, they're like, hey, this is an idea. You know, we're writing this document, you know, Thomas Jefferson spent three days locked in a room, wrote, you know, 85% of the Declaration of Independence. He was in his late 20s when he did it. Um, So a very, a very um, intricate part of our history, you know, is the beginning of our history is the guys who created it. Um, but it's a great story to to dive into it. So that's what the apparel brand kind of wraps yeah. around. Yeah. Um, some of those guys, even the ones that weren't fighters, you know, you, you read back on some of their words like, you know, um, John Hancock, you know, synonymous with the, the word signature now because of how big his signature is. He was already out of favor with the king. And so when he signed the declaration, he wrote it so large as basically a uh, FU, if you will, back to. The Royals. And as he signed it, he looked back at everyone and said, Surely he could read that.
0: Mm.
1: You know, just like, yeah, man, I don't care. I'm not afraid of you. Do your worst. Um, Benjamin Franklin stepped up and he was in his seventies when he signed that document. And he said, uh, He starts signing his name and his hands a little bit shaky. And he stops in the middle of his signature, looks up at everyone in front of him and says the words, My hand may shake, but my resolve is steadfast. And so you're just like, boom, you know, and like from what we've done in the mill and what we continue to do for our country and be a Patriots, you know, I mean, I have the tattoo of the American flag on the inside of my right bicep right there, you know. Um, So that whole aspect of trying to get our country back to, you don't have to agree with each other. Our brand's not Republican. Our brand's not Democrats, not independents, not libertarian. Our brand is Patriot, you know? And so even when, people were taking a knee, you know, and I think some people still are, it's not as big as it was, uh, during that movement. You know, I'll talk to people and they immediately think like, I'm uh, going to be hundred percent against it. I'm I'm not hundred percent for it by any means. Uh, I think they, they used, uh, an, a narrative to gain attention just like Ray and I did this week, we walked our flag to the state house. It gained a lot of attention. Um, but the, the aspect I share with people as being, a part of the special operations element and the things I've gone on and done afterwards, the support of our government and our country and our liberties and democracy. These, some of these people, like our flag represents us. So whether whether you agree with what we are doing as a nation right now, as a whole or not, that country, our flag still is the representation of that country. And a lot of people I try to explain to them, I'm like, you've never been in some of the places where we've been and seen the look on other countries faces those underserviced, underdeveloped, uh just downtrodden communities. And, and we have those in our country. You know, we very much do have those right here in our country. But to go to other to go to other countries and liberate folks and train militaries to overthrow dictators, to to help them become a better thriving community for the better of their people and individuals. And when they see our flag. Especially when I was in Afghanistan, Iraq, and we're fighting, and our own um, Iraqis or Afghans that are fighting along with us, our brother forces from the host when they see us roll up and they see that flag and what it means to them, you know, and it's very, it's a very powerful thing. Anyone that's ever gone to combat with our country's colors on their sleeve understands not just what it means to us, but what it also means around the world. And um, and we are a beacon of hope. You know, it says, you know. There's words on the Statue of Liberty, you know, bring us our bring us your tired, your downtrodden. Um, That is our flag. And that's that's what we take into these other countries. And that's what they that's what they see. Um, And I've had personal experiences with that, with my own indigenous forces to the point where they're running into an an all out firefight just because they see us roll up. And we're trying to get them to get down. But they're so empowered, like, oh, you know, the SF guys are here. Let's (laughs) let's just get on our feet and run at these guys. We're like, no, terrible idea. Like what are you doing? But um, so that very much that education aspect. So there's a lot of clothing brands out there that are very in your face. Um, as far as like kind of tailoring to the military, that's not who we are. Um, we wanted to do something a little bit more subtle, and, and you can see some of that on our website. There are some some more kind of bold uh, designs on there, but it was more so kind of that refined kind of that, that, so like within the soft community, uh, and I i would joke with Ray, you know, how do you, how do you know when someone's a Navy SEAL, they'll tell you. Um, so even within that community, there's a lot of things that guys have done. Ray's done a ton of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of schools and things I've been to, but we don't always lead with that. You know, it's kind of like an onion. You got to kind of peel it to find out what's there. And so that was kind of like what we wanted was kind of like that humble brand that, you and i may know because we're wearing it um and we're trying to educate folks on it but it's not just so bold in your face like hey look at me you know i'm a navy seal hey look at me i served in the military bah you know not that aspect of it and i also wanted something that you know you look at some some of the clothing brands and some of it is very very bold in your face Mm -hmm. and so i looked at it as you know could my niece who is in elementary school? Could she wear one of my shirts to class if she wanted to, and she very well could, and um, because none of it is so over the top. We have one shirt that's it's the tax stamp shirt, and it's a skull and crossbones, and we joke because uh, my business partner Adam and I were always like, I can't wait to get the phone call when someone tells us that you know an educator tried to get someone to turn this shirt inside out because it's offensive because it's got a skull and crossbones on it when it's actually in the history book and it's a piece of our history because it was done in protest of the first tax yep. taxing, you know, and it became what was the original tax stamp. But, uh, so it's very much that aspect. Um,
0: you also have one that you know, is and, simply a quill and a vial of ink.
1: And that that's our main logo, you know? So, and that's, um, you know, you look at brands like Lacoste, you know, the Alligator, you know, you look at Nike, just a very simple, the swoosh mark. Um, so essentially along those lines, and those are more of the shirts that I like. I like the very kind of yeah. just, you know, very humble, just kind of simple design work kind of thing. So um, those are some of my my favorites. There's just the the simple, you know, you got the ink, the ink pen and the quill jar, the ink quill yeah. in the jar, you know, on your shirt and it's like you know kind of that whole thing like i know what it means i know what it stands for kind of deal but uh but yes yeah, so that's how it all came about um you know it was just kind of that that whole that whole premise 56 brave men signed the declaration of independence kind of that history aspect the the nerd part of me you know wanting to wanting to get the education aspect in there and um you know and and i tell people when we we discuss politics you know i always say you know, we need. We need more patriots out there. We need more patriots in the front, leaning forward, uh, speaking up. And, you know, we, we all developed leadership from the military. And even if you weren't in a leadership position, there wasn't a day that went by in your life where you weren't subjected to some form of leadership, good or bad. Yep. And at this point in your life as an adult, it's your uh, responsibility to decide whether that leadership was good or bad. And then if it was good to mimic it or move on or if it was bad to, you know, learn from that bad leadership and and not repeat those mistakes. And so um, just trying to push more of that, you know, that patriot narrative, because, you know, I tell people we may not be the greatest underdog story in the history of the world. But if we're not the greatest, we're number two. You know, you look at I tell people you, you pull you pull away the names of uh, the british and the colonials the colonists and you just you know say a and b and you look at those no one would ever in their right mind especially a, yep. a war strategist would these say guys
0: gonna lose by 40
1: yeah oh these uh these farmers are fighting a conventional right. army and a conventional navy oh yeah roll the dice let's see what happens right you know but uh, you know going back to the passion and stuff that we talked about today the the focus the passion the drive the resolve um, you know, that's, that's the brand, you know, um, I, I had somebody the day, two days. So Monday night we had a council meeting and someone said, um, yeah, I just want you to know, essentially you're walking, you're walking up to the state house for nothing. It's not going to get moved. And I said, well, you know, how many times did somebody tell Martin Luther King that, you know, 19th amendment, women's rights to vote. How many people told those women? Yeah, man, you're never going to get to vote. So you don't know unless you try.
0: That's right. 56brave.com is where that apparel's at. Uh, 53 miles from the Vietnam War Memorial in Aiken, South Carolina, to the state capitol in Columbia. My man Lowell just made that walk this week. Uh, Ray Cash with him every step of the way to get there. Incredibly powerful stuff. I have absolutely freaking loved this conversation today. Brother, you are welcome on these airwaves anytime to come back, and maybe we dig into some more things, And, and I know our listeners are probably listening fired up for sure. Listening about your service before self, your continued strength of purpose. And I'll tell you this much. I know folks stop you all the time and say, thank you for your service. And obviously we echo those sentiments here, but today I want to tell you, thank you for all your, all you've done. And thank you for what you're continuing to do because there's more work to be done.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you, man. It's guys like you getting the word out uh, through, you know, Avenues like this that uh, keep us keep us focused, keep us moving, but also, you know, things like this obviously bring us support. So that helps, you know, flooding the airwaves with what's going on Mm -hmm. and getting these stories Mm -hmm. out and um, helps other people get other people get involved. You'd be surprised how much people have reached out to us uh, in the last, you know, I mean, we're we're not even 48 hours out of this event and uh just the support we've gotten from everybody and you know you don't you don't do it for those reasons but you got to have that support to continue to do these things so without folks like yourself man and you know we talked yesterday on the phone you and i just like your family's history so you know I, i know where your heart's at man and like you know you got a badass family that has done a lot of badass stuff for this uh for this for this nation and uh you know i listened to the podcast with spanky Yeah, man. You know, and just hearing about dice, you know, and like that, that's that in itself is cool, man. So, you, I know you've had a a great mentorship program Mm -hmm. going on just from your family, you know, coming up and that kind of stuff. There's probably some some big shadows that you've stood in.
0: That's Um, why we're doing this, man. You know, I've had the, like you said, man, I've had the privilege of, being around some incredible people in my life and you get to a point where you're like, what do I want to do next? And it's like, I want to elevate some of these stories and I want to go out and share stories of people may, you know, a lot of people have heard of Marcus Luttrell, right? That is a famous name. A lot of people have seen lone survivor, but I was like, "Well, well, somebody had to go get him. Somebody had to pick him up. Somebody had to fly him out. I've seen the movie. They threw him on yeah. a helicopter. I mean, it was a little different in the, in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. how spanky had to brown that thing out and get it down. And it was pretty dicey. And they almost didn't get out of there. But we're like, let's go talk to the guy that was part of the recovery, right? Or let's go try to talk to the guy who helped track down Saddam Hussein. The ace of freaking spades, man, and what all went yeah. into all that. So we're going to keep rolling. I'm so grateful for your time. You've given us way ton of your time, man, after what was a long few days uh, uh, but with a powerful purpose behind it. Brother, thank you.
1: Thanks, Brian. Take care.
0: I'm Brian Jodas. This has been Pick Up the Six Podcast.